Good evening. Tonight is Thursday night, April 15th, 2021. Chag Sameach. Today is Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's Independence Day, and it is so wonderful to be with you tonight. It is a privilege to me to spend this time with you, and I am grateful to every one of you for joining tonight. We stand now in the closing moments of Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's 73rd birthday. Last night, like every year since 1951, the official torch lighting ceremony took place in Yerushalayim at Har Herzl, which is the location of Israel's National Military Cemetery. A couple of years ago, I had the rare, amazing privilege to attend that ceremony in person. I will never forget it. It's an event that captures the essence of Israel and its people like no other experience you can imagine. Sivan Rahav Meir provided today a report about some of last night's torch lighters. So let me tell you about a few of them. Shlomi Shabbat, who is a well-known singer in Israel, he was recuperating from coronavirus and he was there to light a torch representing the entire world of music and culture that has been frozen during the last year. And he began to sing a song with the following words. This is a translation of the words that he sang. Me and you with God on our side will achieve victory, not through power, but through spirit alone. Doctors Dror Decker, Narjis Abu Yaman, and Mahar Ibrahim lit a torch representing the medical teams who fought together during this past year in Israel against COVID. Maher, who is a Muslim, became famous when he said Shema Yisrael with a Jewish coronavirus patient during his final moments. Captain Aden Haventesh represented the police on arriving last night at Mount Herzl, Sivan Rahav Meir reflects that she saw a police officer who told her how happy he was to finally be guarding an event like this instead of standing at COVID checkpoints during lockdown. Zippy Harparnas is a school principal and she lit a torch representing all those who devotedly continued to teach, although distantly through Zoom, in Israeli schools this year. And at the end, Yaish Giat, who is a 102-year-old pharmacist, spoke about how much he valued unity among all sectors of the Jewish people. And listen, please, to the final paragraph that Sivan wrote.
No political divisions could spoil this special mix of honorees. Whoever was looking for an explanation need only go back to the previous day that was the beginning of Yom HaZikaron, Israel's Remembrance Day, to the speech of IDF Chief of Staff Aviv Kochavi. He opened his remarks at the Kotel by reminding us that we are part of a grand eternal plan. And he quoted what God said to Rachel, our matriarch Rachel, through the prophet Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, the famous prophecy of Yirmiyahu, Veshavu vanim ligvulam, and your children shall return to your land. These torch lighters showed us how it looks now that the children have started to return. Chag Sameach. I want to share with you one of the major themes of the book of Ruth. Again, in preparation for Shavuos, when we read the book of Ruth. Each week I try to provide some background so that once we get to the holiday of Shavuos, we will be able to read and appreciate this book in a much deeper way. A major theme of the book of Ruth is conversion to Judaism. Ruth herself is a Gioret. She is a convert to Judaism. And our rabbis understand that this beautiful passage near the beginning of the book of Ruth is her declaration of conversion. Remember that Naomi and her family had left Israel for Moab on the eastern bank of the Jordan River during a time of famine. It happened that Naomi's husband and her two sons passed away, Nebuch, and Ruth, her former daughter-in-law, but she still refers to her as her daughter-in-law. She had been married to her son. Ruth decides she's going to convert to Judaism and go back with Naomi to Israel, to Beis Lechem, to Bethlehem, where they came from. Naomi first tries to dissuade Ruth from doing this. And she says to her daughter-in-law, Go back to your own home. I'll go back alone. But Ruth insists. Vatomer Rus al tifki bi Ruth says to Naomi, "Don't try to dissuade me from coming back with you. Ki el asher techi elech, because where you go, I will go." Where you rest, I will rest. Amech, Ami. Your people are my people. And your God is my God. And where you will die, that is where I will die, and that is where I will be buried. Ruth is not only a convert to Judaism, 
she is a prototypical convert to Judaism because Ruth teaches us a number of lessons about the entire subject of conversion to Judaism. She teaches us, Amech Ami, your people, she says to Naomi, will be my people. Conversion to Judaism is not only about converting to the Jewish religion. It is not only a spiritual process or an intellectual process. It is a process of identifying with the Jewish people so that the fate of the Jewish people becomes the fate of this individual and the destiny of the Jewish people becomes the destiny of this individual. It is about becoming part of a community, being an integral part of a nation, a people, a community. And we see that expressed for the first time in Ruth's words. Elokayach Elokai. Your God is my God. That is Ruth's expression of kabolas mitzvos, accepting upon herself the obligation to observe all of the commandments. Everything that God says, I will do my best to observe. Nothing is excluded. Nothing is reserved. Nothing is conditional. Ba'asher tamusi amus this radical transformation is also a permanent transformation. I undertake this, a convert says, for the rest of my life. Where you will be buried, that is where I will be buried. That is how permanent and indelible this process is meant to be for one who converts to Judaism. There are two more aspects to the subject of conversion to Judaism that we see in action in the book of Ruth. One is the mitzvah in the Torah, which is repeated frequently of Ahavas Hager, to love one who converts to Judaism, and the prohibition repeated many times against Inui Hager, not to cause any discomfort, not to cause any ill will or ill feeling towards a person who converts to Judaism. We must be so careful to welcome, to admire someone who converts to Judaism, to make sure never to let them feel that they are somehow different from any other Jewish person. And our role model for this is Boaz. Now, Later on in the story of Ruth, Ruth and Boaz will meet, they will develop a relationship, and they will marry each other. That's to, towards the end of the story. But the lessons that I'm referring to come from their very first encounter in the second chapter of the book of Ruth. So Naomi comes back to Beis Lechem with Ruth, she has lost all of her possessions. 
Remember, she was an aristocratic, wealthy, respected woman. She comes back in poverty. She has nothing. So what does a person do in Israel 3,000 years ago when they didn't have food and they didn't have money to buy food and they didn't have land on which to grow food? We're going to discuss this aspect another time. But just to mention briefly, there was a structure where a person who was in need was able to go collect alongside the workers in fields and be able to take the remnants, the left behind, the corners, to be able to sustain themselves. And that's what Ruth does. She goes to a field of a wealthy person. She doesn't know who it is because she doesn't know anyone there. It happens that his name is Boaz. And Boaz sees a woman that he does not recognize gleaning in the fields behind his workers, picking up what had been dropped and left behind. And he says to one of his workers, who is that young woman? And the worker says to him, that is the young woman who came back with Naomi from Moab. Vayomer Boaz el Rus. And Boaz approaches this young woman, Ruth, and he says to her, Halo Shamat Biti, I have heard about you. Don't leave my field. You can stay in my field and continue to collect to support yourself and your mother-in-law. You stick together with my workers. Our rabbis explain this means to say klomar, this means to say tietamed etain. Velo tifredi mehen. Stick with us. Be part of our group. Don't go anywhere else. Then he says to her, Vayan Boaz, Vayomer la Boaz says to her, Hugeid Hugadli, it has been told to me, Kol all of the kindness and the companionship and the devotion you have shown to Naomi after her husband died and after her son, your husband died. And it has been told to me that you forsook your own home, the place where you were born, and you came to a people that you did not know. And then Boaz says to her, Yeshalem Hashem Pa'alech, God should reward you. Utihimas Kurtech Shlema Meim Hashem. You have come to be sheltered under the wings of God together with the Jewish people. God will reward you from that. You should be blessed. And then he says to her, When it came time to sit down for his own workers to sit down to eat a meal, he said to Ruth, Geshi halom v'achalt min 
come, bring a chair up to the table, join us, have some of our bread, share our dinner with us. Bateshev mitzad hakotrim, and she sat together with all of his other group, all of his other workers. Boaz made her feel as if she was part of the family. Eventually, as I mentioned to you near the end of the story, Boaz marries her. An ultimate integration within the highest levels of society. Boaz was the leader of the community at that time. And later, Boaz refers to Ruth as Ashes Chayil, a woman of valor. Ruth is the first woman to be praised with those words later immortalized by her great-great-grandson, Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, when he wrote the famous poem of Ashes Chayil, a woman of valor. Ruth was the first one to be called that. And ultimately, Ruth becomes the mother of royalty. The book of Ruth ends with a son born to Ruth and Boaz, Vatigrenashmo Oved, and his name was called Oved, who Avi Yishai, he was the father of Yishai, Avi David, who was the father of David, King David. King David, David Amelech, our greatest king, was the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. And most of the kings of Israel descended from Ruth. And the Mashiach, the Messiah for whom we are awaiting, will likewise be a descendant of Ruth. So why do we read the book of Ruth on Shavuos? Shavuos commemorates the Jewish people seven weeks after leaving Egypt, arriving at Mount Sinai and experiencing the revelation of God at Mount Sinai and hearing from God the Aseris Adibros, the Ten Commandments. What's the connection between the events of Shavuos and the book of Ruth? Because at that event at Sinai, every single member of Bnei Yisrael, the children of Israel. That means every single ancestor of every one of us who is born Jewish went through the same process. Or rather, it would be more correct to say that every person who converts to Judaism goes through the same process that every one of our ancestors went through at Mount Sinai. Every man had to receive bris milah, ritual circumcision. Every person had to immerse in a mikvah. And that was alongside the essential component of kabbalas mitzvos, of accepting upon ourselves to observe God's commandments. When we were standing at Mount Sinai, we said the words, Nasevinishma, we will listen to your commands, God, and we commit to observing them. That was Kabbalah's mitzvos. Ruth used different words, but the same concept, Elokayach Elokoi, your God, 
is my God, and I will follow the same commandments. Our rabbis in the Medrash say something astounding. Not only is there a connection, but listen to this. Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Rabbi Shimon the son of Lakish said, a one who converts to Judaism is more precious to God than the Jewish people who stood at Mount Sinai. Why? Because the Jewish people standing at Mount Sinai were so impressed there was sound, there was thunder, there was lightning, the mountain was trembling, there was a chauffeur blowing, God revealed himself in a way that has never happened before and never happened since. Okay, so they agreed to accept the laws of the Torah. But this person who comes to convert to Judaism did not experience any of those wonders, did not have a revelation of God, did not hear the shofar and the thunder and the lightning, and still they came to accept upon themselves God's Torah? Could there be someone more precious than that? That's the connection. And that is what we almost 3,500 years later, should try to accomplish on Shavuos. Because when we experience Shavuos, we should not only be recalling an ancient event in our past, we should be trying this year to recommit ourselves just like our ancestors did so many years ago, to recommit ourselves so that we should be able to say, Nasevenishma, we undertake to observe God's laws. And that's why we read the book of Ruth, to remind ourselves of one who did this in a most magnificent manner. Ruth, in her conversion to Judaism. So that Ruth is not only a role model for every person that converts to Judaism, but Ruth and her story should inspire every one of us on Shavuos when we hear her story being read to emulate her commitment, her sincerity, and her dedication to following the path of God's commandments. Lastly, I'd like to share with you an insight into this week's Torah portion. This Shabbos, our parsha is the double portion, Tazriya Mitzorah, which presents the laws of Tzara'as. This term Tzara'as is wrongly translated as leprosy, but it was actually a visible condition on a person's body or clothing or the wall of their home, which came upon a person if they had committed a sin, such as Lashon Hara, speaking negatively about someone else, or embarrassing someone else in public, God forbid. And there is an involved, detailed process to go through if this happens to a person, which is described in our Parsha, Tazriya Matsura which we read this Shabbos. And this section begins with the following words. 
Adam a person, Adam, it's the same word as Adam, but it refers to man, human being, Adam, when there shall be on his skin a discoloration, then this is what happens. It's very illuminating. If a person had this condition, to whom does this person go for help? They do not go to a doctor, which supports that this is a spiritual ailment, not a physical ailment, because if it was a physical ailment, the Torah has already taught us in an earlier parsha, the parsha Mishpatim, Verapo Yerape, and the physician shall heal. If a person has a physical ailment, they must go to a doctor and they must follow the treatment. But here the Torah does not say a person goes to a doctor because it is not a physical ailment. A person afflicted with this condition also does not go to a judge. Even though a person has done something wrong, done something against the law. But this is not a judicial matter. This is not something that is actionable in court. But rather... Adam a person who has this discoloration, el the person shall be brought to Aharon, the Kohen, Moshe's brother, the first Kohen Gadol, the first high priest, or to one of his descendants, to a Kohen, to one of the priests. It's a spiritual shortcoming and requires a spiritual expert to oversee the recovery. That's the role of the Kohen, to be a spiritual expert. But that presents us with a problem with the first word that we read. One more time. Adam ki now, the Zohar, which is the classic work of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, teaches us that there are four different words used in different places in the Torah to refer to a human being. For example, there's the word Ish, there's the word Gever, there are other terms, and then there's the word Adam. They're all synonyms in that they mean a human being, a person, but the term Adam is reserved for the most respected and honored person. It is a term of respect and admiration. It is a complimentary term for a human being. And that's a little bit strange because remember, we're talking about a person that is not such a righteous person, a person who has done something wrong. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter pointed out in a very famous remark, the idea of the connection of last week's Torah portion and this week's Torah portion. You may remember last week's Torah portion, the parish of Shmini 
ended with a long section about the laws of keeping kosher. Which species are kosher? Which species are not kosher? Our Parsha has this strange discussion about this condition called Saras. What's the connection between the two? Says Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, in last week's Torah portion, God taught us what we should not allow into our mouths. In this week's Torah portion, God teaches us about what should or should not come out of our mouths. We have to be careful about what we eat, the laws of keeping kosher, what goes into our mouths. But we must also be careful of the words that come out of our mouths. Rabbi Shlomo Walba expressed it as follows. We put a lot of effort into teaching a baby to talk, but we do not always invest much thought into teaching ourselves to be silent. So this is a person who has violated that. This is a person who has stumbled and God is coming with a message that you have upset someone, you have spoken negatively about someone, you have embarrassed someone. So if we're talking about a person who has experienced a spiritual failure, a mistake, why does the Torah begin with the word Adam that refers to a person in such a complimentary way? This is not a person to compliment. This is a person to criticize. Listen to this answer, please, from Rabbi Nisan Alpert, because it is so important for every one of us, not only to understand, but to integrate into our lives. And believe me, I am speaking to myself as I'm speaking to you. And you'll see why I need to hear this in just a moment. What distinguishes a person who is to be respected and admired versus a person who is a human being, but not necessarily to be referred to in a complimentary manner? What distinguishes between the two? A person who slips, commits a sin, makes a mistake, that person can still be admired and respected and looked up to and praised and complimented. Because a person makes a mistake does not disqualify a person from being a good person. The difference between a person who is distinguished and a person who is not a person who is called Adam and a person who is called something else is that Adam is a person who recognizes they have done something wrong and they take the steps to fix it and they go to the right person to fix the problem that they have, to help them fix the problem that they have. The Torah says Adam a person who sees that they have this affliction, sees that they have stumbled spiritually, what does that person do? Vahuva el aharon hakohen. Very interesting grammar there. That person shall be brought. Passive tense. 
before a Kohen, before a priest. What does that mean? Shall be brought. Who's bringing him? The person brings themselves. There's no one coercing the person with this affliction to go to the Kohen. A person wants to hide it and ignore it. There's no one that forces them to go. So why is it in the passive tense? Who is bringing this person? Says Rabbi Nisan Alpert. The person does not want to go, but they recognize they need to go. And so they bring themselves. A person can know that they're sick. They may not want to go to the doctor, but they recognize they need to do it. That is what distinguishes Adam from some other kind of person. Not the fact that he stumbled. Anyone can stumble and everyone does stumble. But when a person realizes it, admits it to themselves, takes the steps to return themselves to a better position, that's Adam. That's a person to be admired. Vahuva el hakohen. He is brought before the Kohen. Who brings him? He brings himself. And because of that, the Torah refers to him with the special honorific title of Adam. It is truly a remarkable thing to know when we need help. And a lot of people, again, here's where I'm speaking to myself. A lot of people have great difficulty with that. It is remarkable to know when we need help and to go where we need to go for that help and to ask for what we need. Because once we have that quality, if we can recognize when we need help and we can bring ourselves to ask for it, and we can recognize where to go for that help. That is, in fact, the greatest part of the solution already accomplished. My friends, I want to wish you a great night and a wonderful Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.